true to the Bible and preaches the word, preaches the book, but is fresh, is exciting, is energetic, you know, is reaching people. And that missionary said, Coastline Baptist Church in Oceanside, California. So uh, I took my wife and our, at the time, just our little girl, and we came on Mother's Day weekend, 2012. I sat in this section right over here, and I cried the entire service. God was ministering to me through all the music, the message. And uh, I went to your pastor. He didn't know me from Adam. And I just said, could I have 30 minutes of your time just to talk and try to help me? And, and, and he said, I can do better than that. He met with me that next Monday. Uh, we talked all morning long. He took me out to lunch. And he invested in me, even though he didn't know me. I don't know if you know this, but your pastor is a coach and a mentor to other pastors, and uh, especially church planners. And it's exciting to be here. I just can't happen to hope but to think that, you know, God can use you all, and the same God that will use you all and grow your church will grow mine back in Cincinnati. So it is wonderful to be here. And uh, in this moment, uh, I believe God has brought me here to be a cheerleader and to encourage you that, that uh, God is able. Now, if you're a guest this morning, I want to quickly say, would you please come back next week and hear your pastor because we couldn't be different. You know, it, we, we're just like night and day. Now, we preach the same book. And we, we serve the same God, but we have different personalities. You know, and the personalities really don't matter. It's, it's what you preach. It's the message that you have. And, uh, and so, and I want to let you know, if you're a guest here, if you've never heard this man preach, I, I say this, and I want him to, to stay humble, you know, um, but he is one of the greatest expositors of the Bible that, I, that I've come in contact with. And uh, we would say it in the hood this way, he can flow, all right? So you got you to gotta come back and hear him flow, all right? 2 Kings chapter number 6, and um, you know, there's going to be a lot of comparisons uh, to what is going on in the life of Elisha and the nation of Israel to what God is doing here and how God is advancing the kingdom here. Elisha, is his ministry is growing and expanding. In the beginning in chapter number 6, they determined that they're going to have to do some construction. They're going to have to expand. And so uh, Elisha thought it good. So he said, go cut some wood and make some beams. But it was in that moment of blessing, in that moment where they were advancing, that the enemy came to attack. And it's in moments like that in your life where it seems like things are going good and things are going great, that the enemy wants to come and he wants to disrupt what God is doing in your life. Look what the Bible says in verse number 15 of chapter 6. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Shall we pray? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for all that has gone to, to make this worship experience possible this morning. The volunteers, the countless hours, uh, Lord, the, the, the opportunity just to do it over and over again so we can make room for everybody who wants to come. Lord, I pray, God, now we would realize the sobriety of this moment that you want to speak to our hearts. So, Lord, do what I cannot do. I pray you would speak to the heart of every man and every woman. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. So the situation is that the servant of God and, and is surrounded by his enemies. And in that moment, he looks to the man of God and he says this, how shall we do? Or how are we going to do this? What are we going to do? And if we were to be honest, we all come to seasons of life where we feel like the servant. 
we feel like maybe even we're, when you wake up in the morning, it seems as if your circumstances, the pressures, the predicaments, the problems are already surrounding you before you even get up out of bed. It seems as if, you, you, you know, you, you go to, back to sleep and hopefully you'll wake up and it was all a bad dream, but you wake up and it's not a bad dream, it's a reality. You ever been there before? And I want you to remember that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So when I talk about, you know, physical, when I talk about opposition, it's not physical, but spiritual. When I speak of battle, I'm talking not about a natural battle, but a supernatural battle. And in that supernatural battle that we are all talking about and talking about advancing the kingdom, but not only that, but personally in that supernatural battle that is going on in your life, I believe our enemy has been up all night long. The servant here wakes up early in the morning and the enemy has him surrounded. That means all night long they were plotting, they were planning, they were pursuing to come after the man of God and his servant. And it seems as if our enemy has been at it all night long and this is what he wants to do. He wants to cause you to doubt and he wants you to lose courage and to lack faith. And our enemy has a plan to take you out. But this is the awesomeness of our God. When the enemy wants to take us out, God can change the plan and keep us in. And not only keep us in, but he can use that was meant to destroy you, and he can use it to deliver you. Let's read the verse again. Verse 15, And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and host compassed the city both of horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, Alas, master, how shall we do? Verse number 16. And he answered, Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now, I'm a bit of a cynic and a sarcastic, and I like to place myself in the story as if I were the servant. And in that moment where the man of God says, there are more of us than them, I, I, I kind of think that the servant was like, really? <laughs> Elijah, um, you know, it, are, it, it, is your mind starting to slip a little bit? I mean, maybe the old man has finally gone senile. You know, uh, Elijah, I don't know what seminary they, you went to, but I, I obviously see that their mathematics curriculum was not strong, you know. Uh, I can say this, I went to a public school. Elijah, maybe you went to a public school. Maybe that's the problem. I don't know because you said that there are more of us and there's only two of us and there's an army surrounding us. Verse number 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Again, as a cynic and a sarcastic, when Elisha prays that prayer, maybe his servant is saying, Elisha, what kind of prayer was that? That was not the prayer we needed right now. That's the wrong prayer, Elisha. What about the prayer when you said, if I be a man of God, let fire fall down from heaven and just consume all of my enemies? That would be a good prayer right now, Elisha. What about one of those imprecatory prayers that King David prayed that God would knock the teeth out of his enemies? What about, that would be a good prayer right now. What is this prayer about my vision, about my eyesight? Let's read on. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and noticed. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. God has brought me here to this moment this morning because I believe this is a crucial point in the history of your church. And I know when we come to important places in the history where God's going to advance the kingdom, I know that the enemy is going to come to oppose what God is doing. He's going to oppose your faith. 
But not only is it the enemy that tries to get you to doubt, but sometimes we also have self-doubt. And you may be telling yourself or asking yourself, do I have enough? Or how shall we do? How are we going to do this? Is this really possible? And maybe you're counting and you're calculating and you're like, this doesn't make sense. Or maybe you're saying, I'm not really comfortable with this situation. And so here's what God wants me to give you, I believe, after prayer and study. Here's the first takeaway. I want you to take a doggy bag with you this morning, if that's okay. All right, so if you're writing notes, I want you to write this down. If you're not writing notes, I want you to write this down. All right, here it is. Number one, it's not the situation that determines the outcome or future, but it's the way you see the situation. I'm going to say it again for you so you have time to write it down. It's not the situation, no matter how bleak it may be, that determines your outcome or future. But it's how or the way you see the situation. So I've come here today to tell you to look again. Look again. Maybe you looked the first time and it didn't appear that it was possible. Maybe you looked the first time and you did not know how it was going to happen. But today, God has sent me a mighty long way, all the way from Cincinnati, Ohio. And I'm sorry I brought the cold weather with me, but I brought something here to warm this place and warm your heart. I want you to look again, but look with different eyes. Now, um, excuse me that I am a child of the 80s. And as a child of the 80s, I have so many, you know, quirks and idiosyncrasies and things because the way that we grew up. And, and uh, there were things that I, I loved watching and experiencing. I loved w- reading comic books. I loved uh, superheroes. And not too long ago, I was, found myself watching an old 80s Superman movie. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, the one with the really bad, cheesy special effects. We've come a long way. And uh, I was thinking and pondering on Superman and his supernatural power. He has supernatural power, but it was because he was from another world. You know, he was faster than a speeding bullet. He was more powerful than a locomotive. He was able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. But not only, I see you guys know, you watch the same corny movies as me. All right. But not only did he have those abilities, but do you remember that Superman had supernatural vision? He had x-ray vision that gave him the edge. And so this morning, I want to encourage you that because you are not of this world, because you're a child of God, God gives you the ability to see things differently. God gives you supernatural vision and he gives it to us through his word and he gives it to us through a walk with him and so now I want you to tap into that supernatural vision which I believe will give this church an edge and we're going to look again to see what maybe we did not see before Elisha had supernatural vision but it was because he had seen the power of a supernatural God I don't have time this morning. You could do a great Bible study and start in chapter 1 and work your way to chapter 6 of 2 Kings. But I'll just kind of walk through the story of Elisha. When we're introduced to him, his predecessor, Elijah, is passing off the scene. And Elisha has this bold, audacious faith to ask God for a double blessing. 
that God would do twice as much and give him twice the blessing and twice the anointing on his ministry that he had for Elijah. And I love the heart of this pastor that's here today is that he does not, though it would be very comfortable just to hit it in the neutral and just take it easy and coast in. He says, no, we want to take it to another level. We want to reach more people for Christ. Have faith and boldness and audacity to see God do more. That was Elisha's heart. Give me a double blessing, two times as much. And, and the inauguration of his ministry, he comes to the Jordan River, and Elijah had just parted that river. And he cries out, where's the God of Elijah? Meaning this, if God did it through him, God can do it through me. If he did it before, he can do it again. And he took that mantle, and he hit that water, and it split in two. What I'm here to tell you today is God can make a way when there seems to be no way. We read on and he, the people come and the water is bitter and they can't drink it and they need a refreshing. And so Elijah says, get a bit of salt and put it into the water. And that salt makes that bitter water sweet. I can't help but to think that Jesus said that we are the salt of the earth. And though our world is corrupt and man is depraved, we can see God make a difference in this community, in this city, and in your family as Jesus works through you to make the saving agents of all those around us. There was a time where they were to go to battle, but they had no water. And they cried to the man of God, and he says, this is what you need to do. Go and start digging some ditches. Now, don't you hate it when the pastor says some stuff like that? <laughs> we're in a drought. We don't have any water. And you're telling me to go dig ditches? I'm, that's going to make me more thirsty. You're going to extend me further than I want to go. I'm already struggling. I'm already stretched. But now you want me to go further and you want me to do more? Yeah, I want you to dig ditches. And not only that, but I'm not even going to promise that it's going to rain, but I'm going to promise you that God will fill those ditches. And guess what God did? He filled them right on up. And can I tell you today, as God has moved and God has worked in this place, is it not evident that God can fill ditches? Look around today. Look around. Look again. Look to see all that God is doing in this place. We serve a God. With men it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. There's a little lady who was married to a preacher. and He passed away. And now she's a widow. And the creditors are coming after her and she can't declare bankruptcy and so they're going to come and take her children and make them slaves. She comes to Elisha and said, I need help. And Elisha says, well, what do you have? At first she says, nothing. That's just like us, you know. But then she, she changed her tune and said, well, I got a little bit of oil. He said, give it to me. See, God's not interested in what you don't have right now. He's interested in what you do have. He took that oil and he said, now go borrow some pots and some vessels and so she went and knocked on her neighbor's doors. Can you imagine how embarrassing that may have been? What do you need this for? I'll tell you later. He brought all those vessels, and he started pouring, and he kept pouring, and he kept pouring. Finally, he says, give me another vessel. She says, that's all I got. I, I think that meant this. If she'd have had one more vessel, he could have kept pouring one more. If he'd have, she'd have had two more vessels, he'd have kept pouring two more. I think this, that your blessing, the measure of your blessing is tied to the measure of your faith. And so this woman, not only was her needs met, but the needs of her children were met, the needs of her household was met, because she had the faith to believe the man of God who could see what nobody else could see. Now contrasting that story with the poor widow, the next story we read about Elisha is Elisha meets a well-to-do woman, a woman of means. And this woman believes in the ministry 
of the man of God. And so she determines we're going to make a little room. We're going to put a bed. We're going to have a table and a stool and a candle. And so that way, anytime he comes through, he can stay here with us and he doesn't have to worry about his, uh, his, his living expenses. And Elisha's sitting on that bed one day and he says, I want to do something. I want God to do something for this woman. And he comes to her. And though this woman had money and she had means, there was something that money could not buy for her. And he says to that woman, you're barren and your, your husband is old, but God's going to give you a son. And even on a dark day, when that little boy lost his life, she came back to the man of God. And you know what Elisha did? He performed the very first resurrection. You talk about supernatural vision. There was no pastor manual, how do we raise a dead boy from the dead? You know, how, how do we do that? It had never been recorded in Scripture before that anyone had been resurrected. But he had such a faith, and he could see what others could not see. Where others saw death, he saw life. Where others saw, you know, where others saw that they would diminish, he saw that they would increase. And, and he had a miraculous birth, and he saw the first recorded resurrection because of his vision for God, his vision to believe. I don't have time. You could talk about the healing of Naaman, Naaman who was the enemy of God, but he found his cleansing. In chapter 6, as we begin and get back to where we were, in chapter 6, as we begin, one of those men are, are cutting wood and his axe head falls off into the water and he cries out because he borrowed it and Elisha throws a stick in and the iron, the axe head, starts swimming. Now, I don't know, but iron's supposed to sink, but that day iron swam. And I'm here to tell you today as a testimony of God's goodness and God's greatness is that I pastor a miracle church that should have sank many times over, but God allows us to keep on swimming. And right now, currently, we're remodeling a 13,000 square foot facility that we pay $429 a month for, and we've already seen $100,000 of build-out put into that building, and we don't owe anybody a dime to the glory of God. We're debt-free. And I'm telling you, it's in a place that others may uh, shy away from, but we're seeing people change for God's glory, and I believe God is able. God can make you swim when others think you should be sinking. That's what I'm saying. How is that possible, pastor? Because Jesus, when he opens a door, no man can shut it. And when he shuts a door, no man can close it. I'm, I'm here to open it. I'm here today to tell you that God, here's the second thing, and this is the last little takeaway I want you to have, but I'm not done yet. God is not limited by his capability, but your blessing is limited by your capacity to see. God is not limited by his capability. Do you believe that? But your blessing is limited by your capacity to see. Your vision. It was Fanny Crosby who said, there's only one worse thing than not having sight, and that is having no vision. What I find it interesting that the whole reason the enemies were surrounding the man of God that day was for his vision. The, the, the king of Syria was making plans and plotting in his war, and he, he would make a plan, and, and it seemed like somebody knew the plan already. So he gets all his guys together and says, okay, who's a spy in my, in my camp? And they said, there's no spy here. Well, what there is is there's a man of God, and he hears everything you say in your bedroom. And so now the, this, this king says, well, we have to take that man out because he has a supernatural ability that is opposing, uh, uh, opposing our warfare. 
And so what I'm here to say is, if you want to have a vision, if you want to do something for God's glory, there will always be opposition. Paul said, there's a great and effectual door open unto me, and there are many adversaries. And so the man of God is surrounded, and it seems like the situation is hopeless. But what is his response to the attack? What does he say to the servant? Don't be afraid. Do not fear. As best as I can find and study and search, that is the most common command in Scripture. Don't be afraid, or a variation of that phrase. I think that reveals so much of our problems. You know, God says don't steal, don't, don't, don't lie, don't kill. But he says more than that, don't be afraid. So I think our greatest problems at times are, is not external sins, but it's internal fear. So what does Elijah do? He, he prays. Now track with me because I know you don't have to close your eyes to pray, but think. He closes his eyes so that he can see. That's a different type of vision, isn't it? See that young man, he didn't have it at first. He woke up early in the morning. That's what the word says. You know, I could see him with this cup of coffee and wiping the sleep out of his eyes. He was awake physically, but he had not awoken spiritually. In our hood, this is not proper English, but it's good preaching. They would say, are you woke? This young man wasn't woke. I mean, he was operating. He was, he was, he was moving, and, but spiritually he had not been awakened. I want to know, is your spirit in tune this morning? Or, or do you understand what God is doing? Even when others cannot see it physically, do you understand what God is doing in this world? Are you woke? Verse 15, again, and his servant said unto him, Alas, master, how shall we do? How are we going to do this? Verse 17, and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. The enemy was surrounding Elisha, but catch this. The Lord was surrounding his enemy. Elisha was not praying, Lord, send help. But Elisha was praying, Lord, help this man to know that help is already here. See, God wants us to look through the opposition and see his provision. I must see his protection through the attack. I must see his supply through my need. I must find his strength through my weakness. You see, my weakness and my need is the lens that God wants me to see and look through and see his power and see that he is almighty. You see, how could we know that God is a healer if we didn't experience times where we need to be healed. And how could we know that he was a savior unless we needed to be saved from something? And how would we know that he's a provider if we didn't experience times when we thought we weren't going to make it or we did not know how we were going to do it? So I say, look again. There were two men who were sent into a foreign country to expand a business and make lots of money of selling shoes. The first guy got there and he came back and said, this is impossible. The people don't wear shoes. The second guy came back and said, this is an amazing opportunity. They're all barefoot. Look again. Look again. God is surrounding whatever is surrounding you. 
Where was God on that day? What does the word say? He looked, he saw the horses and the chariots of fire and the mountains. The psalmist says, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. I'm asking you to get a higher perspective, to look to the hills, to look to the mountains. God is able. God is able. Do you believe it? God doesn't always remove your problems, though. See, if I was uh, there, I'd ask God to do the miracle this way. God, all the enemies are surrounding me, so how about you come in between me and my enemies? You stand in between. See, but God doesn't always insulate us from problems. But what he wants you to do is see through the problem and see his provision. He wants you to see through the stretching, through the opposition, and see that he is almighty and he will supply in just a moment, I want a musician to come, and, and we're going to close the service. Pastor, I'm going to turn it over to you. I just want to tell you one story. Um, two Christmases ago, we had an opportunity to purchase a lot of church furniture and church items that we needed as a young church. Unfortunately, there was a church that was disbanded, but they had things like chairs and TVs and cop color copiers and desks. Uh, they had a nice baptistry at the time. We were literally baptizing people in a horse trough. And, and this was a great opportunity. And, but they were wanting to close their books and pay all their bills. And uh, so they said, well, what could you offer us for these things? The best that we could come up, it was about $25,000 worth of furniture and, and things. And I, I got to the men in our church, and, and we said, well, we really can't. You know, we really don't have the money, but, you know, we could maybe afford $3,000. So I gave them that offer, and they said, that, that's great, we'll take it. And then I thought, okay, i got to raise $3,000. <laughs> so we determined we were going to have a Christmas offering. Now, this is what I've learned since then. If you want to take a Christmas offering, you should start in February. Because <laughs> everybody had already spent their money on Christmas. And so we came to the last, the last Sunday of the offering, and and, and we fell short, and I was very discouraged. But I felt like, man, God has provided all these things. We're going to use them for his glory. Th those things are ours. And so I said, well, let's rent the truck, and let's get the men together. Let's get a team, and let's go get it. I had a, a man in my church, a good businessman, a district manager in corporate world, a friend today. And he said, Pastor, I, that's not good precedent. We're not setting good precedent. We're spending money that we don't have. And we're going to rob Peter to pay Paul. And I said, I know, I know. And my heart is, you know, I'm discouraged that we didn't make it. But I just believe, I believe those things are for us. I said, you know what? We're driving from Cincinnati to Columbus. Let's, let's begin to pray. I hung up the phone. And, uh, you know, sometimes you wonder if preachers tell these stories. Did it really go down that way? Yeah, it really went down this way. I hung up the phone, and five minutes later, I heard a notification on my phone. Now, I know it's illegal in California, but we, we, we roll a little dicey in Ohio. So I checked, I checked my phone, and uh, someone outside of our church had given a $3,000 donation online. Isn't God good? You know what's really awesome? <laughs> a couple of months later, the former treasurer of that church called me and asked for our address. They said they wanted to send us something. I said, that's cool. What do you want to send us? He said, well, um, we closed the books and we paid all the bills, and we determined anything that we had left over we wanted to send back to you. 
I said, man, that's amazing. And, and I'm kind of nosy, so I said, what are you sending? <laughs> he said, well, we wanted to give you all the $3,000 back. He said, but God has been really good, and we're sending you a check for $4,500. So what I'm telling you is God took care of our need, and he gave us a little something-something on the side, too. You believe God can do that for you? Look again. If you, don't, if you can't see it, look again. He's able. He's able. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this church. Thank you for my church. Lord, I believe I'm standing.